0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Exodus 33 and 15. We've read off of this passage of Scripture several times over the years that I've been with you. And I don't know if you experience these things like I do, but you could read the same verse many times and many times over and continue to receive the same message that you have once gained from it. But all of a sudden, for some reason, the Lord will lead you back. And all of a sudden, he brings a different light from that passage. And it happens to me all the time. After all, my business, my work, my calling is indeed to go into. Look through God's Word and to learn as much as I can and as the Holy Spirit allows me to be able to speak things to you that will transform this body of believers into the people God wants us to be, beginning with me. So I've looked at Exodus thirty-three, fifteen, 15, and I've titled this conversation with you this morning simply this, The Effects of Seeing God's Glory. The effects of seeing God's glory. That means something happens to a person when they truly experience God's glory. Let's read. Then Moses said to him, that is to the Lord. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me? And with your people, unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me? Listen to his conversation with God. Listen to his explanation, the plea from his innermost being. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me? And with your people, unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me? What will set me apart? What will make me different? And make your people different from all the other people on the face of the earth. It's him saying, listen, if this doesn't happen, we'll be just as common as everybody else. When they look at me, it's like looking at anybody else in any other place, living any other way. So there's emotion in this conversation between Moses and God saying, Lord, go with me. Make something happen Make yourself evident in my life and in the life of your people. Because unless you do, it's been worthless. We are not the difference in this world that you've brought us into. What will distinguish me and your people from all the people on the face of the earth? And then Moses said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. The Lord bless his word. Allow me just for a moment to speak to you on this subject. The effects of seeing God's glory. That means you cannot see God's glory without something happening. In the scripture, it clearly states time and time again in the life of many individuals that a true believer and a, a true follower of Christ can indeed experience God's glory. We have seen it in scripture. The Lord reveals his glory to all who ask diligently and seek him. Now, Paul tells us in the New Testament that the purpose for God's revealing of his glory is not simply just to Leave us amazed. But God's glory will come to equip his people for the days that they are living in and the days to come. So what are these effects that we want to speak of this morning? Certainly in scripture, we've seen it happen. And in the church, we claim it's happened. Listen to what I'm telling you this morning. I believe that every one of us who's ever been in church for a while, we've all seen, wow, the glory of God was so evident. Amen? Anybody ever heard of those words? I know that I have. I'll get off the pulpit. We're talking to somebody who goes, yeah, man, I'll tell you what, the glory of the Lord was there. You leave the service and say, you didn't go to church today. No, I didn't, man. You should have gone. The glory of the Lord was there. And what are we calling the glory of the Lord? Well, sometimes we call the glory of the Lord a very exciting service. Because everybody is shouting the pastor down, hallelujah! Amen. Or the music is thundering and everyone is jumping, and all oh, the glory of God is in the house. Some people say that the glory of God is when something supernatural happens, maybe someone receives a, a healing. Someone comes in with a backache and the, the ushers or the prayer warriors pray and all of a sudden I feel good. Oh, the glory of God was there. We identify the glory of God in our own terms. We, we have called it something. We believe what it is. Some other people say, you know, I know God was there. The glory of God was there. Oh, every hair on my arm stood at end in my back. I felt queasy. I felt... Ah, we had people walk into the sanctuary. He said, Pastor, we walked into the sanctuary and my hair stood at end. I, I felt the, the spirit of the Lord moving. The glory of the Lord. Some other people will witness certain epiphanies in the church. I saw a light. Uh, pastor was preaching. I was told one time, and Pastor, I looked beyond you and I saw like a the form of an angel. Other people are saying, you know, we, we saw the room light up or, or we saw some kind of angelic appearance or something. that was the glory of the Lord. So we identify the glory of God in very different terms. <coughs> in very different terms. We all have a certain description of the glory of the Lord. Now, as I mentioned these things, uh, I do certainly believe they are all related in in a certain manifestation of God's goodness and glory. I I agree with that. Uh, God revealing He is there. But I'm speaking about the glory of God. There's another aspect to the glory of God that leaves unmistakable proofs that He was there Or that a believer indeed experienced that glory. And that glory comes not only to affect us externally. As I've just mentioned, everything we said is all external, it's something you saw from the eyes out. I saw the glory, or I know that was the glory. I felt like that was the glory. It's all an external experience. But in the life of Moses, as I read more on him, I find that the presence and the glory of the Lord was physically identifiable the moment he saw it. Now, Moses was experienced in seeing the glory of the Lord like we have. He had heard the mountains shake. He heard the rushing winds. He had felt the earth tremble. He would soon see the Red Sea split. He would soon experience the gushing waters out of a rock. All of these things were external experiences that he either had before or was fixing the handle or to have as he began to move the people of Israel forward. But what happened in Mount Moriah that day when he was receiving the law of the Lord was a totally different thing. And this had to happen before anything else in his life took place so that he would endure. For him, it wasn't an external manifestation of the glory of God that catches our attention in this. It was an internal manifestation of his glory fact of the matter is ladies and gentlemen that what happens to you on the outside seldom will affect you it's what happens to you on the inside that will change you and that opens up just so many thoughts and brings out so much understanding as to why in the church we find so many lukewarm christians We find people who can come into the church and and pray and worship for a moment and then leave and walk out as if they have never known of God. People that from one moment to the other can be real excited about serving the Lord. Oh man, it's awesome. It's great. And all of a sudden, just like a change of clothes. They have no desire to read God's word, no desire to pray. This fact here brings so much Understanding to the wise, we can never continue on a steady walk with God, many of us. Even though you've been in a service where you've seen the glory of God. Even though when you've seen uh, the glory of God was manifest and still you find yourself at some corner of some bar in some club. So what is the glory for? It's a powerless glory then. For someone to confess I've seen the glory of God and walk away as if nothing, then there is no power in that glory. Do you understand where I'm going? The church today speaks of the glory of God anywhere and anytime with such simplicity, uh, with such a trivial attitude. Oh, the service, how was it? It was glorious. That it's lost its meaning. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you this morning that God has never revealed His glory to anybody just to make the hair at your arm stand at end. He's never revealed His glory just to get you to go and tell somebody, oh, it was a glorious service. Go to my church, it's really exciting. The glory of God is there. It's never been for that purpose. And Moses proves that to us in his life. Moses had a serious relationship with God. He knew God in a a very personal way. Enough for God to speak to him, the Bible says, face to face. As a friend speaks to another. So it wasn't uh, just a trivial little friendship that, call me up, man, if you got time. No, it was a continual conversation. It was a relationship, a serious relationship he had with him. But still we find him at this moment saying, God, show me your glory. So much to say on this subject We need to go back a little bit. Why would Moses even ask God to show him his glory? What was Moses really asking of God when he said, Lord, show me your glory? We all know that Moses was called of the Lord to be the deliverer of the people of Israel. And that is quite the challenge and quite a privilege to be spoken and elected by God to do such a tremendous work. So for him to ask that, you've got to be kidding. You already hang around with the president. You already talked to him like he was your friend. And you're asking him for more? Was there something missing in that relationship? I believe there was. I believe there was. And the Bible relieves, uh, reveals that to us. Where did it begin? Where did Moses' hunger begin to want and desire to see God's glory from the moment he called him? Exodus 3 and 14 reads, God said to Moses, this is already the discourse of I want you to go and tell Pharaoh and all these things. And you know the story or you saw the movie. Tell these people to let my people go and all these things. And so who am I going to tell them that sent me? And the Lord simply says this, a very vague answer, if you ask me. A very vague answer. Kind of like us parents sometimes answering somebody else and, Dad, why should I? Because I'm your dad. Well, we understand that, right? On a father and son relationship Obviously, he's the one that has the bigger belt at home and everything else. The one that pays the bills. He's the one. It's his house. But here is Moses saying, Lord, show me your glory. And the reason behind that is because when he got called of the Lord, he asked him a question. He said, who shall I send or tell them, send me? He said, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelite. I am sent you. And that's all he said. Now think about that. No explanation who I am was. They're talking. Moses is telling him all these things and trying to express his heart to him concerning all this whole trip. He's complaining about his stuttering and all these things, how he was slow to speak. All these things. And finally he begins to... Ask him, at least have some kind of representation. Who will I tell these people? Because I know that I'm not able to do it on my own. He said, well, just tell them I sent you. So what was Moses really asking? There was a problem with just simply hearing I am sent you. See, because Moses in his mind understood at least a few things, I'm imagining. That he was going to go face the biggest authority in the world of the time, Pharaoh. That was the biggest, strongest, and vilest government of that existence back then. And the Lord was sending him to do this job, which was impossible until that day. Nobody had conjured up or had the strength or the courage enough to go face Pharaoh on behalf of 400 years, didn't have the courage to go tell Pharaoh, hey, man, you're being mean with this tribe of people. Let them go. But now God calls Moses and said, I want you to go. So, well, well, okay, I agree. Let's do this. But with what credentials? What do I tell them? Certainly he's not going to be afraid of me. So who do I tell him? Where's my badge? How do I show him? Listen, I'm FBI. I have to come into your house, and whether you like it or not, I have the authority to come into your house and check it out. Or I'm this authority here, and I have this particular. And God said, no, just tell him I told you. I don't know. See, this brings to the whole idea, a whole different idea as to wanting to see the glory of God. Moses wasn't asking for a show of power. He wasn't asking the Lord to make the stars flicker, to make the earth shake again, or to maybe that would give him courage to go and face Pharaoh. Nothing like that would, would change anything. Again, I tell you, Moses had already experienced so much of that. When it comes to the external things of God's glory, isn't it like us, ladies and gentlemen? As I mentioned before, we've all seen God's glory in some fashion. Christians today have their relationship with God. We've seen His power. We've seen Him heal. We've seen experiences, had the deliverances in front of us. We've seen Him turn sinners into saints. All these things, all this is our external. But what Moses is asking now, he said, show me who you are. Show me who you are, God. What he said, who should I say sent me? He said, me. And the next proper question I believe that all of us should ask God, and maybe few of us have, is, Lord, So who are you? We base our relationships with God on external appearances, external experiences, things that don't affect us on the inside. But Moses is crying out. He said, the courage that I need to carry on what you've called me to do, to live my life after the call you've given me, to continue walking faithfully before you. I need to know who it is I'm serving. Who are you, Lord? Lord. Show me your glory. What happens to a people who see the earth shake? Once the earthquake is over, they go back to business. What happened in 911? Not speaking lightly of it. It's a tragedy. But we are told, New York Times, every newspaper in the world said the day the world prayed. Well, why aren't they praying anymore? Thousands are on their knees for Israel. Today, as Hamas, all these things are happening in the war. Everybody's praying. Why weren't we praying before? And if tomorrow we hear news that there's a ceasefire and they came to an understanding and everybody's going home to mourn their dead and everything's going to settle, then we go back to playing our games. I wish somebody was listening this morning. You understand what I'm saying to you this morning? Amen. Nothing external will ever change you. Nothing. Nothing you see God does will ever affect you. Nothing. It's what you experience on the inside. Nothing about him. You see, Moses knew him better than you and I. He They conversed. They he knew each other by name. And the Lord said, I know you. When he spoke to him, he said, I'm going to go ahead and show you. Because I'm pleased in you. And I know you by name, he told Moses. Then Moses said, well, then show me who you are. Because the only way I'm going to continue in my walk is if I know who my Savior is. So we see now that the glory of God takes a different light. It's no longer watching an exciting service. It's no longer hearing a really beautiful, glorious song. It's no longer seeing somebody over here give their life to the Lord. All these things are nice, and those are great things that reveal, again, the presence of the Lord. But when it comes to seeing... The glory of God, God reveals his glory for one reason, and that is to show himself to you how he wants you to know him. So that in turn, you will begin to emulate who he is and begin to live your life according to his will. Therefore, when we pray, Lord, show me your glory. What we actually are praying is, Lord, show me who you are. Show me who you are. And if the Lord gives us a revelation of his glory, it's a revelation of how he wants us to know him. Just like he did Moses that day. God answered his prayer. And to Moses' surprise, listen to what he saw. The first thing the Lord tells him in Exodus 33. He says, go hide yourself in this cleft. I'm going to do and I'm going to provide for you what you've asked you. I'm going to show you who I am. And he hides him on this crag, in this, in this, in this cleft. And Moses, I'm thinking, if he's just as human as I was, and I believe he, not as good looking, but, but he was just as human as any one of us is. I'm sure because he knew God the way he worked before, he's expecting some kind of explosion to happen. He's expecting, here comes the wind. Let me hold on to this. I know he's coming. He's expecting something explosive, something dynamic, some stars to fall, or, or some mountain before him to fall away, or the rushing wind to tear and uproot trees, whatever. And he's waiting for that. And so, while he's waiting for the glory of God in his mind to appear, because if that happened, he would have quickly guessed, I knew it. That's how he shows up. I can identify the glory of God any place. Once I hear the wind, once I see the earth shake, once I see people jumping at the altar, oh, that's the glory of God. But that's not what happened. Exodus 34 and verse 5 says Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to the thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Completely different than what he expected God to reveal him. So we can truly say that up till that moment, Moses had never seen the glory of God. And my fear today, ladies and gentlemen, is that the church today really has never seen the glory of God. Because if it were so, our lives would be steady in the Lord. The church would be moving forward, marching continuously in the Lord without falter. Why? Because it knows and it had clear understanding of whom the Lord is in our lives. Here Moses meets the Lord in a different light. God passed by and exposes heart to Moses and things begin to happen immediately in the life of Moses. This is why God reveals his glory. To make things happen inside of us. Not simply to excite us or to give Moses some spiritual ecstasy. Or to give him a legacy, something to tell his children in the future. Oh, you should have seen when I saw this. God came to minister to him on the inside. The Lord revealed his glory to Moses. It was no longer an external relationship. It was an internal knowledge of whom the Lord is. And this applies to all of us here this morning. How we need the glory of God. So that we can indeed be changed on the inside. You see, when Jesus came, ladies and gentlemen. He came to us as the image of exactly who the Father is. The Lord deposited everything he is in his son in the form of Christ. When the Lord Jesus came in the flesh, it was His full revelation of the Heavenly Father's mercy, grace, goodness, and desire to forgive. God wrapped His whole nature in His Son. And if Christ is going to be revealed to us, He comes to reveal Himself to us for the very same reason. That we might be able to understand the heart of the Father. This is the glory that was, transpa- that was passed to Moses on that mountain Christ brought to us that we might experience through him. It's impossible for anyone to remain the same who has ever seen the glory of God. I can say that because no one in scripture that I have seen who that has ever seen the glory of God remained the same. I heard a difficult saying from a man one time. And I was sitting in the pews when I heard him say this. and I thought it was kind of judgmental and kind of ugly at the time. But then you wonder of the reality. He said, you know, if anybody could ever walk away with, from God, they never knew him. Isn't that a tough word? Where is this guy? Well, he used to worship. He used to be serving the Lord. Really? How uh-huh. would happen? No, he's back to living his own sinful life. Well, he never knew God. That's a hard saying. But I wonder if there's meaning to that. I wonder if there's true meaning to that. That you really never had a real experience with God. If you can walk away from Him. Who can walk away from the Savior of the world? Who can walk away from someone so compassionate, loving, and forgiving, uplifting, encouraging, comforting? Who? Anybody can walk away from a hornet's nest. But who's going to walk away from a loving embrace? So did we ever know whom Christ was if we're able to walk from Him? Jesus was experienced in the glory of God. Matthew 17 tells us so. After six days, Jesus took with Him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up high to the mountains by themselves. And there He was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah, other men who were experiencing the glory of God. And the Lord spoke. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you see how we've taken the glory of God now from external experiences to the internal relationship. What kind of glory have we been seeking when we come to church, what is it that you're looking for? Well, let's just go see if God moves in that place. You know, some people will go church to church. Let's go see if God's moving in that place. And if what you're looking at is for an external evidence. No. Uh, the pastor's boring. The music is, ah. Uh, it's too cold. The pews are bad. No, they don't even take care to that place. Oh, the venue's this. The venue's that. And you're looking for external things. And you're empty inside. Paul understood the glory of God. He himself testified that God's grace upon his life was not without effect. It changed him. On his road to Damascus, it changed him. He saw the glory of the Lord. It changed him. He testified to the church, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, listen to this, this is key. This is the proof of seeing the glory of God. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into the image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Spirit. When you see the glory of God, you cannot remain the same. Things change in your life. When you gaze upon the glory of God, we are being transformed at that very moment every day from glory to glory. What Paul is saying is that once you receive this revelation of God's glory, the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to appreciate more of these aspects and natures of God that you will embrace them yourself. Church, I believe the Lord wants to tell us all that if Paul understood his glory, and Moses understood his glory, and Elijah understood his glory, and many in scripture understood his glory, he wants us to understand his glory. He wants us to experience it in our own lives. He wants us to open our eyes that the spirit might reveal who the heart of God is, to understand him by true nature, by character, by person. It's only then, ladies and gentlemen, that you'll be able to hang on to him because you know him. Because you know him. And we are guaranteed in scripture that if you keep seeking and studying him and crying out to him. You'll begin to receive his revelation of him. So as I. Continue this morning just for the next few minutes. Let me give you at least two things that we see give proof of Moses' experience with the glory of God. Number one, you may want to write this down. You might want to remember it. The first thing is that he became a worshiper. He became a worshiper. The Bible says in Exodus 34 and 8, once the Lord revealed his glory unto the unto Moses and he saw his compassion his grace his love his forgiveness it says Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped when Moses saw the revelation of God's glory and saw that he is good loving gracious forgiving he quickly fell to his knees and worshiped the revelation of who God is in his heart overwhelmed this man now, I wonder one of the things that really surprised Moses about finding out that God is really that forgiving and that loving. Remember the people of Israel? Do you know who these people were? You know what kind of relationship God had with the people, uh, with the Moses had with the people of Israel and Moses with God concerning the people of Israel? These were stiff necked people. Idolatrous people, rebellious, doubtful, criticizing, impatient, and backsliding people. And Moses in his manhood and his person, like any one of us, when you deal with somebody like that, you automatically are going to explode in your person and say, well, listen, these guys are horrible. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Lord, you're God. Put them away. <laughs> Anytime you turn your face from these guys, oh, they go through suffering, and oh, they bend their knee. Oh, God is God, and no one else, and all these things. But as soon as you, it goes well for them, here they go, molding for themselves a golden calf. Hmm. These people offended Moses and offended God. But when he saw his heart, it moved. This revelation moved the heart of Moses so much. He said, Lord, for real? I thought that the thunder displayed your authority and your power and your anger. I I, 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 I thought that the shakings and the splitting... Of the earth and all these things revealed how sorrowful and angry you are. And I'm with you, God. But then you're telling me that you love these people, that you're forgiving of these people. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if I can go off on a tangent just a little bit, sometimes that's how we represent God to people. You know why evangelism doesn't work that much anymore? Because people, the God that we represent to people is nothing but rules and regulations. You want to serve the Lord? You shall not. You will not? You better not. You want to come to the Lord? Oh, if I catch you. You want to come to God? Oh, you better watch it. He has eyes everywhere. And so we picture to the unbeliever in this world, this God, a cat looking for that mouse, just waiting for it to move, to to strike it. What a surprise it's going to be, ladies and gentlemen. There's a scripture that tells us When you see me face to face, you will not recognize this because I'm not even who you said I was. And Moses saw the heart of God. He said, really? I'm angry at these people. I'm trying to tell them that you're a God of authority. You're a a God that is a a burning fire. and, And then you show me your heart and it's... But I also believe that something else happened in the heart of Moses that day. He recognized that he himself had been granted that love and forgiveness. Because he remembered that he too rebelled against God. He said, I'm not going to do this. Made all kinds of excuses when the Lord was asking him to come. No, 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 no. He too rebelled against the Lord in his time. But he found that love and forgiveness from the Lord and it overwhelmed him. That what it birthed in his heart was only one thing. And this is what the glory of God makes to happen in the hearts of one who has truly seen the glory of God. It will make you a worshiper. It will make you a worshiper. Now mind you, this is the first time in scripture. ladies. You have time for this? Are you Okay. Okay, you're gonna be, it's past midnight, I mean at, at 12. And some of you turn into pumpkins at 12 o'clock. I'll give you permission for 30 seconds to reschedule your appointment at Luby's, okay? Your reservations. Just hold with me just a little bit. See, you made me lose my point here. Until this moment, you had never seen Moses worship now you had seen moses to that day praying and seeking god and asking for guidance and all these things but you had never seen him worship you saw him in the authority of Lord, what shall I do? What shall I tell them? Who shall I say sent me? Lord, talking to God. And this teaches us another thing, ladies and gentlemen. You can be a prayer warrior and pray constantly every day and never worship God. You can be a, a witness. You can be the loudest witness in the valley and never worship God. You can be the most faithful Christian in the church and never worship God. You can be the greatest Sunday school teacher, worship leader, or pastor in the world and never worship God. You're so busy about the business. And the fact that you don't know who he is clearly, you never have the notion or the desire to bend your knees before the Lord and just love him and worship him. Please notice that at this moment, ladies and gentlemen, Moses is not pleading for direction. He's not asking for the people of Israel. He's not asking for anything. He's not asking the Lord to chastise or to fix or to forgive or the other. He's simply worshiping God. Now I'm not going to stand here another 20 minutes and try to explain to you on how many forms of worship. There's books that have been written about worship. But I will tell you this. A few books will tell you. And that is that you can teach no one to worship. You can teach no one to worship. Worship is not a learned skill. Worship is a spontaneous result of knowing whom God is. Worship can never. You cannot go. I'm going to a school of worship you're going to a, a school of arts. That's what you're doing. But not of worship. You cannot teach anybody how to worship. Because worship comes from the inside, from having the knowledge of who Jesus is. It's a spontaneous result of you knowing who the Savior of your soul is. Is taking him to a place in your heart at the highest place and say, Lord, without you, I am nothing. Moses realized that moment as he expected the thunder to come. He found out that the God that was leading him all this time loved him more than the call he had placed on his life. Ladies and gentlemen, God loves me more than what I do for him on this pulpit. That's what keeps me going. I know God loves me more whether I preach to you another sermon or I don't. God loves me more, me as a person more, his soul, his child, if I ever teach another class or stand behind or play another chord on my guitar. And that simple fact that he loves me above all these external things that I do keeps me on my knees thanking him and glorifying his name. He is worthy. He is worthy. Moses became a worshiper. And secondly and finally, I promise, he became a reflection of God. He became a reflection. You know, it's been said that a person's countenance is the expression of his heart. You don't need to talk to somebody that looks like me. Because automatically, once you look at their face, you wonder what's inside of them. He looks real mean. His countenance reveals previously Moses. Listen, let me tell you. If you know Moses, you'll find out that several times he had already spoken to God many times and shut himself up with him. And he came out and his face never shined. people talk to him normally. He came out. He met with God like as a friend meets a friend. And he went back out amongst the people and and nobody saw anything extraordinary in his life. That first time when he went up there to get the tablets from the Lord and you have over here Aaron messing up with these people. He got off the mountain and he went up there and talked to everybody and nobody saw anything on Moses' countenance and face. Nothing. But then when Moses went up there and God revealed himself to him, when he saw God's glory, it changed him. Exodus 34 and 29, when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the covenant law in his hand, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called him. So Aaron and all the leaders in the community came back to him and he spoke to them. And afterwards the Israelites came near him and gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed that veil. And we came out and told the Israelites we had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant, Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went and to speak with God. Moses changed. His appearance changed. His person changed. He became a reflection of the heart of God. The Lord had previously told Moses, no one can see my face and live. And we can see that the people hid their face in fear. But in the presence of God, there was no need for Moses to reveal that, to, to take his veil off. And this was, happens to people that walk consistently in the presence of the Lord. There's no need to cover anything up. You can reveal the heart of God wherever you go. You can show who you are in God every single time and every single place. Paul knew this. Paul knew and he had to have an experience with the glory of God in order for him to take and take forth the plan that God had for his life. We find that in Galatians 1. Verse 15, Paul testified, God has set me apart from my mother's womb and he called me by grace, by his grace. When he was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach. You see, when you see the glory of God, ladies and gentlemen, it's evident. It's evident. There's no confusion. There are no half-baked Christians. Someone who said, I've seen the glory of God. It doesn't happen. Non-existent. Because you can't remain the same you'll become a worshiper and you'll become a reflection. How we need, and I believe the Lord is crying out today for His church to begin to reflect His glory. But in order for us to do that, we need to stop asking that God make the lights flicker on and off. We need to stop asking God to make the earth shake Or to prove himself by some authoritative power over there in the Middle East. Or to reveal himself this way by causing something to happen in our neighbor's house so they could come to Jesus and the glory of God. We need to start asking, Lord, show me your glory. Tell me who I am is. If you will seek, the Bible says, the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. Righteousness. What does it say? All these things shall be added unto thee. Good ministry, good testimony, good family, good home, good life. All these things. But we need the true glory of God. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? God doesn't want us to walk around with a false identity. You know, in today's world, we're required to have an ID. And the reason you're required to have an ID whenever you're stopped by the law or anything else now these days, the reason they do that is because that ID identifies who you are. Now, if you're ever caught with a false ID, that's a crime. Yes, it's crime. It is who you are. Yes, it's who I am. Then they'll investigate, they'll find out that the picture is bogus, it's wrong, it's, a, it's not who you say you are. Now, people are punished for that kind of crime. Many are rejected and are no longer able to come in certain places because they once produced a false identity. So in this world that we live in, obviously that's a criminal offense. But in the eyes of God, in the eyes of the church, you know what that kind of work is done? Is called? It's called hypocrisy. That means you say, I've seen his glory, and yet there's nothing different about you that gives proof of that glory. You're providing a false ID. God wants us to be genuine. He wants us to be real. Whenever you're asked to show your ID, they need to match up with someone who says, I've seen his glory. And they'll look at it and look at it, you. and go, yeah, that's you. I can see it in your countenance. And I can see that you're a worshiper. Everywhere you go, you worship his name. You have no reservation and no hesitation revealing your love for God because you know who I am is. I want to know him. I want to know him. Does anybody want to know him anymore? Does anybody have a need to know God anymore? Are we satisfied with the externals? God doesn't want us to be. He wants us to see his glory. All we have to do is requested with earnesty and heart, just like Moses that day. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org slash give.